Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Ali McMillan and I am a Methodist deacon and I'm currently based at Methodist Central Hall in Westminster. Um, as a Methodist deacon, I'm a member of the Methodist Diagonal Order, a religious order which brings a sense of rhythm and wholeness to my life. Before I trained for ministry, I taught religious education and ethics at a secondary school in Oxfordshire. And one of the things I'm really passionate about in ministry is coming alongside people and journeying with them as they discover God at work in their lives. Well, each week I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And I'm delighted uh, this week to be joined by the Reverend Leo, Reverend Doctor, excuse me, Leo Nato. Um, Leo, we're delighted to have you with us. Welcome to the podcast. Leo is a Latino from Brazil, a son of the Manse and a Methodist minister himself. He served for 10 years at Hind Street Methodist Church in the West London Mission and for eight years in the Halsden Church and Circuit in Brent. Uh, now he serves on the connection in the areas of ecumenism, interfaith relations and language diverse ministries. Uh, so a lot on his plate. Uh, he was chair of Grassroots Ecumenical and Interfaith Programme in Luton for nine years where he also served as a mission partner in the Luton circuit. Uh, he was the chair of the Brent Multi-Faith Forum and the Harlesden Planning Forum. He was active in the Labour Party locally as well and has a passion for understanding the gospel in relation to current affairs. Uh, as I said, we're really delighted that you've joined us today, Leo. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, the joy is mine. Thank you very much, uh, Ali, for the, the invitation. Wonderful. Well, we know that politics in the pulpit can sometimes be a bit of a contentious topic, but we believe that it's essential that the world around us speaks into our churches. So I wonder when you hear arguments saying that politics shouldn't form part of our preaching, how do you respond to that, Leo? Oh, yes, I, I know the argument. I was in a meeting the other day, uh, kind of an interfaith context, and a Christian, uh, an Old Testament scholar, said he was interested in the Bible, in reading the Bible. He was not interested in politics. It was in the context of, of course, the very difficult uh, issue, which is uh, the relationship between Israel and Palestine, the occupied territories, issues that are very relevant for, for our society, how things are pan out, panning out in, uh, in the Middle East. And so this, this scholar said, I'm interested in reading the Bible. I'm not interested in these political discussions. <laughs> And I thought to myself, an Old Testament scholar who reads the law, uh, how people were set free from the slavery in Egypt to travel to uh, a new place where they would start again as mig immigrants, migrants, uh, that reads the prophets who had nothing to say but justice, let justice run like a river. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> and <clears throat> how could... Uh, uh, this scholar say he's not interested in politics. How can we read the Bible, the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, or otherwise the New Testament, the life of Jesus, the cross, without considering the political context where the Word of God is inserted, is incarnate, is present to us? So myself, I, I come from Latin America, as you said, from Brazil, and people who, who know a bit of the history of um, of last century would know that there was a great emergency of um, a new way of reading the Bible, a popular way of reading the Bible, the Bible circles, ecumenical Bible circles, Roman Catholic Bible circles, where especially those who are more um, poor or oppressed in society, 
uh, we're very interested in reading the Bible for, in, to say what the Bible means in our context. Oh, very well, you have you have the you you have the uh, feeding of the five thousand, and we are in a situation where food is very hard to get food for the whole family. How can that reading? not to be of relevant political relevance for those people in Latin America then was this great movement of reading the Bible uh, for the for the political situation and where liberation theology came from within it an articulation of that experience of the of the oppressed and the poor reading the Bible living the gospel uh, understanding Jesus presence with them the consolation the comfort of the Holy Spirit but the, the truth of the spirit as well. So that's where I come from, really, that, that that experience. I could say more, but I can't see the point of reading the Bible if you don't ask the question, what does it mean? What does the Bible mean? What's the word of God? What does it mean in our context for the things that are important for us? And the things that are important for us are political, uh, perhaps party political, but certainly political. I could say more, but I think I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't take... Um, the Old Testament scholar own on that particular situation because we had other things that we had to discuss. But I was really shocked to see a, a, someone who presented themselves an Old Testament scholar not interested in politics. How do you see that, Ali? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't make sense of the, the position. Perhaps a resource not to discuss the very difficult political situation in Israel-Palestine uh, is a difficult situation. Uh, but but the Bible is full of it. The Bible is full of politics. Well, wonderful. And it's so good to hear your passion there, Leo, and how that really clear explanation of how the Bible speaks into you know our world in so many ways. And you can understand the reluctance when you're dealing, as you say, with really contentious and difficult political matters and that temptation to go, I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to talk about it. We can all, I guess, have moments like that. But yeah, perhaps a conversation to have with him another day to challenge. Yes. To challenge. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, from your context, then you've touched on this a little bit already, talking about liberation theology and some of your background. But I wonder, um, from your context, what would you want us to hear as key justice issues or political events that we might want to just share in our minds? Oh, there are lots of things happening, aren't there? And this was a tremendous weekend that we just had. And whoever is going to be preaching next Sunday cannot avoid the big themes that have, that have hit the country. So the coronation, <laughs> how could you pretend it's not happening or avoid it? And of course, a beautiful event and a meaningful event for the country and a new beginning in a sense um, with continuity from the past, but a new king after more than 70 years, was it? Of the reign of uh, the Queen Elizabeth II with a new uh, a new monarch. Um, constitutional monarch, we should, I should add, <laughs> to be a bit political constitutional monarchy, of course. Yeah. And then there were other, thing, other things happened of very importance, very, uh, great importance for our society as well. So, for example, the local local elections, yeah. and uh, the fact that if they mean anything, I think they do. It was very clear what they meant. <laughs> the results are not ambiguous; they are unequivocal, unequivocal, and they are very clear. Um, uh, so there might be other things that you might want to ask me about, and I'll be happy to talk about them. Or the more, but, but but these are two fundamental things that I think are happening around us: that the reading of um, of the lectionary 
we we have to at some point of course listen to the speech or message that is in there that encourages us that uh, that calls us to be closer to Christ and to to God in love uh, John 14 um, but also to engage with our society in terms of Paul and the Areopagus where he was conversation about spiritual things about God the co cosmic God who created the world um, and how does that relate to today yes would that be a good agenda do you think Ali Sounds perfect. That's a great way to start. And it's, and it's wonderful that those are the things you've picked up because each week uh, my colleagues and Jay Pitt kind of sent me, these are the these are the political things to pick up this week. And they've picked up the two things that you picked up, the coronation that happened this weekend. And of course, um, there were some protests and arrests that happened around protests. So we might want to touch yes. on that in our conversation. Okay. And the elections, have you said, in England last week. Um, and that disappointing result for the Conservatives and encouraging for Labour Lib Dem and Green supporters. So yes. we'll, we'll pick up on that. Just to add that we're uh, still in the uh, church season of Easter. Um, still, we're not quite at Pentecost yet, so we're still in that season. And of course, this is the beginning of Christian Aid Week this coming Sunday. Um, so just so that people are aware of that if they're preaching as well. Uh, so the Bible readings for this Sunday, the 14th of May, are uh, Psalm 66, 8 to 20, Acts 17, 22 to 31, 1 Peter 3, 13 to 22 and John 14 15 to 21 uh, so hopefully we're all thinking they're the same readings we're on the same page uh, so with our metaphorical newspapers open in one hand uh, let's uh, open our bibles and get to having some conversation about those um so I don't know where you want to start there do you want to start with that acts reading maybe I think you've got quite a bit to say on that or if you wanted to start with uh one Peter Yes, perhaps we could um, start for Acts. Would be a good place to start. Toss it around a bit and see what we are learning from we get the Word of God and how it relates to our, our context. Of course, is this 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 great experience of Paul uh, in Athens, but not only in Athens, but at the center of things in Athens, not far away from the Agora, not far away from the Forum. Uh, so this place where he is, the political uh, very. So everything is happening. The, 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 the commerce and the, the exchange, the agora is happening, or the justice things that are happening in the forum. And he's the political debate, the where, where he, he is the Areopagus. And he found he finds there um something to the unknown God. Okay. And I think boys, you can see you can see his thinking, and you think, how am I going to engage with these people here? So that's a that's a great entry, really. I think they gave it to him and he took the opportunity to say, oh, something in common that we have here. <laughs> and I see that you worship a God that you don't really know the name or or the emphasis of this God or this God means unknown God. So the conversation can start from here. You can see Paul, Paul thinking about that. That's a good point to, point to start a conversation rather than to alienate people. <clears throat> yeah. And to say something... Um, uh, something uh, depreciating their presence or uh, 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 condemning them. No, no, he finds something positive and, and, and op an opening and say, what does it mean? Uh, and, and God. So, so I like that approach very much for, for dialogue. Um, As a point of connection with, with the people. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, sometimes... Uh, I don't know where we are coming from as religious people, but people even expect us to 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 come to condemn, or to come just to denounce and to 
uh, reprint. Uh, but yeah. here I think we have a different tradition in Paul that is, is coming to, as you said, to connect, to relate, to mm -hmm. seek a link. And he comes to explain them. The God that I, uh, that I serve is the God who created the world oh. and everything in it. Uh, but this God that I, I serve is not a God that li lives in temples. So we can think of the we can think of the coronation, of course, but uh, Paul is saying uh, a God that does not does not um, live in te in temples or does not uh, is not served by human hands. Uh, so the Greek worship God and the God that Paul's, uh, Paul is preaching um, is not necessarily a God connected. Uh, with the Acropolis, connect with um, a god uh, restricted to a temple yeah. where uh, an order of, a, of priest, a priestly order is serving. I think Paul comes with a, a cosmic view of God, something quite, quite amazing, much wider than, yeah. than what the Greeks are, are used to. I don't know uh, how you see that, but that's that's how I how I see his introduction to that. Mm. And, that, that big picture of God, isn't it? That God beyond these yeah. kind of limits that we put on to understand. Yeah. Kind of introducing this big picture of God. I love that imagery. Yeah, of course. When you go into a cathedral, it's not denying. I don't think it's saying that God is within a box or within the four walls. I think the cathedral in particular, and the chapels are not so good at that, but the cathedral in particular, the chapels are good to say God is in your heart. So if you don't pay too much attention to the four walls here, uh, to the cold and hardness of the of the pews, but God is in your heart. See what's in, but the cathedral, I think, I think invites us to see a God that's so immense. And the light of God comes to the the windows, the stained glass windows, etc. Points out to something, something transcendent and, and bigger, etc. Um, and here, in this case, I think Paul uses that already as a as a tool for for his theological work. He's saying, from one man, God created everybody, or for one person, if you want a more inclusive language, God created all. Um, every nation, every mm. people from from what I think what Paul is saying that is um, you see even in even nowadays two thousand years years later we still we still think we still think a great deal about nationality we think a great deal about race yeah. and there's great strife in our in our society in our world but I think Paul is saying here. He says, God is not far from each one of us. No race, no, Jew, no Jewish nation that he, he, was, he represented, the circumcised or no the uncircumcised. That makes no sense for a cosmic God, a God who created the universe. And a God that is, um, through one person, created all human beings. Uh, so the, the question who is God's who are God's people? Who who are they? Who are they? And and, and Paul answer to that question, political or not political, I don't know how you see that it can be political. I think Paul is saying everybody, isn't it? Isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For we too are his offspring. No, everybody is a child of God. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, and then, of course, it's reaffirmed by the Greeks themselves. That's the God in whom we live and move and have our being. So yeah. he goes to find, not in the Hebrew scriptures, he goes to find it in the in the Hellenistic Greek poetry. Yeah. Uh, this, this very God, we can, any one of us only can live and move and have our being because yeah. of that, that cosmic God. I think so inclusive, don't you? Wonderfully inclusive. And just as you're saying that, the fact that Paul... Um, includes their own traditions, their own um, poetry, their, their art, their kind of expression um, within his understanding of God. As you say, that's incredibly inclusive and speaks into um, the people who are there in a way that they might understand. Yeah, I don't know how one would feel if they, if we come to church and someone instead of using the New Testament or <laughs> use, the, use the New Testament, but also use, I don't know, a Beatles songs or yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. this love, something like that. How would you feel about that? If someone comes and says, ah, the Beatles understood it very well. <laughs> well, I would love it. I think that would be great. But I, you know, I guess uh, for some people that might be quite challenging, right? And it to bring in contemporary culture and say actually this there's something about God um to us yeah, yeah well, he, he he follows that up with saying but well, of course God raised Jesus from the dead mm -hmm. and um that that might not be this very popular thing to say in the Areopagus or very intelligent the philosophers would could be used to ask questions and and, and, and to, to 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 say well how can you prove it <laughs> why Jesus why, what does that mean someone who's alive and but someone heard it, and um, someone heard and, and received it. So that that guy there who became uh, tradition says that he became a, he became a bishop, uh, Dionysius, I think his name is that how it says there, uh, Dionysius. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he's a politician. He's a he's a member of the Areopagus. Uh, he 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 he's uh, well connected, but still, someone received the message. Yeah. And um, and then the, the the woman as well, Damaris, she well tradition says she was a scholar says she was a well educated Greek woman, mm. well educated um, Greek woman used to be in symposiums and the debates etc. And whatever Paul had to say, we don't have the whole thing, but at least these two people connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we know it did speak speak to them at that time and. Um, and this had, I, I love this connection that Paul still preaches the gospel. He doesn't shy away from preaching about Jesus, uh, about a message which might be, have been difficult to be heard at the time. But he didn't shy away from that. But he also spoke to the people where they were and entered, as you use the word dialogue, entered into that dialogue with them. And there's a message for us in our preaching there, isn't there? Mm, absolutely. Uh... We could already connect with some political stuff over the moment, or we could move to the gospel. How, how do you want to do it? How... Let's, yeah, let's pick up some political things. You, you spoke um, just uh, now about the coronation and how that might speak into, and as you were talking about cathedrals and how they speak to this uh, transcendent God, I wondered how that connected to the coronation um, and if people might have had a sense of the transcendent God who was in the midst of that as they watched it on the television. Well... I thought it was a tremendous, um, a tremendous occasion, and they were starting the right foot, as it were, 
with the young boy, 14 years old, saying why we're, why we're all there, where they were all there. The king that's going to promise to serve to serve the people. So that I thought that was a very, very important statement and mm -hmm. carried through the service the explanation of the the explanation of the things that were there, symbolizing what they, they were. And, uh, so I, I think that was very meaningful, very, <clears throat> very in a sense, very political. Yeah. The scepter, um, uh, the um, orb mm -hmm. with the cross on it um, is to, to serve with wisdom and equity and, and uh, to serve with um, with courage we guide them so we guide people here. we can guide mm -hmm. them and there is a critic within itself that one could think of course the, the diamond the diamond at the top of the scepter is I don't know so unique so over 500 uh, what do you call it? Car carrots, yes. Yeah, carrots. And uh, uh, I, I, it's even hard to imagine a stone so big they could take such a big part of it um, and place it there. So one can criticize the wealth and the wealth within it. But on the other hand, if we thought that what the service was saying, is that there is power here, but that's how we understand power to be exercised. Yeah. A debate about power is not always easy because you cannot avoid power. I don't think one can avoid power. The politicians, the Areopagus, would know that. Mm -hmm. like they shown Jesus Christ who wants to transform the world, but spin down the, on the cross, immobile, <laughs> saving, the, saving the world, really. <laughs> saving yeah. the world on the cross. Um, is a is uh, the ultimate example of what service and salvation means, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's not the power that uh, the diamond will give or the, the crown will give. It's the power of service. Um, so in, uh, what do you think about uh, what do you think about uh, constitutional monarchy? What's the power that the monarch has? Mm -hmm. So uh, perhaps the power to power to convene people, perhaps convene yeah. the, uh, the uh, Commonwealth, for example, to convene the nations. Mm. Perhaps the power to intercede, to ask for those who particular things for peace, for justice. It's a specific kind of power, isn't it? Not a power that can make things happen. In a sense, I don't think. No, he doesn't have uh, the power to to bring in laws or to um, no. to speak into the political system in that sense. But as you say, there is power in the office of of being king. Um, yeah, and that and there's a voice, isn't there? You know, people listen to what the king has to say, whether they agree or disagree. There's a platform and a voice to speak into what's going on in the world. Yeah. I like what you said earlier that you you shouldn't ignore power. That power is always a factor at play, um, yeah. and I think that's really important uh, that we recognise that. What what Elizabeth brought to the nation was a great deal of stability in, in very turbulent times. Yeah. That was a form of service, I think. Yeah. 
so that um, uh, whoever the military or the politicians uh, they they know that everybody would know that they will be usurping their their position if they try to be the head of state. So there, there is a head of state, and uh, there is a there is a figure that, uh, and if you are going to take over, if the military decide in a crazy moment to take, you know, that would be a, an outrage, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> because, the, the, because the throne is occupied. The throne is occupied, but occupied by someone who who try to be moderate, be try to be uh, to bring the great people to debate the issues of the day, so who start conversations. Mm. Uh, dialogue, just like we start a dialogue on trying to link rather than it's a different kind of power, isn't it? Can I show off a bit? Do you mind if I show off a bit? Please, we'd love for yeah. you. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> so I was invited to the palace, and I uh, ages ago, now two years when when uh, when Charles was still the Prince of Wales, <laughs> and I uh, because of community work or something, and. Um, uh, it was connected with something about the Prince Foundation, of course, and um, mm -hmm. we were, we were, I, I was there, and uh, it was a privilege to be there. Around 120 of us, perhaps there about, and um, the prince spoke, and they said, "The prince will come and greet you all. Make a some circle, and he will come and greet you." Not the, the king now, of course, but at the time the Prince of Wales, mm -hmm. and and in a small uh, same circle, uh, there comes. You are aware of of him around. Suddenly he came to our group, and um, in our case, he came straight to me. I had long hair, and I have I now I look very very ordinary man, don't I? But I have very long hair. <laughs> Not at all. Never ordinary, Naya. <laughs> Dog collar and a very long hair, curly hair, and I, he came straight to me and said, "Ah, so important that you you are here," he said. Because you know how difficult it is to make things happen in the community, and uh, we are in desperate need of help. You, 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 you can help us. So they had a project. So I, it doesn't come to, to the, the point here, but uh, there was a particular project they are launching there, and we were there, community leaders. And I thought, well, what a wonderful reflection on someone whom everybody thinks has so much power and still thinks that, oh, well, I need someone to help me to make things happen in the community. Yeah. And if, the, if someone with power could ask for the right things to be happening in the community, what a difference that would make. Yeah. That's basically, I think, what Jesus was inviting us, inviting you to be part of a project, part of a new project where, where love reigns, and love sits at the center, as John Wesley would say. And the gospel says, if you love me, I'll be with you. And you, the father will be with you. So love is the, the fundamental thing here. It's, a pro, it's the project, project, isn't it? Um, love is the project. Yes, yes, I, th I think that is. So politically, I think the the, the coronation, what, what, what was the... Uh, well, we, we uh, the king was the king already, but the coronation, the anointing, isn't it? The coronation is basically the anointing of the king. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that well, it was well explained. Did you did you, did you watch it? I don't know if you watched the coronation, but the coronation. I don't think they could explain the anointing very well, which is of course it, it is of course a, a symbol. It is not. A, it is a gesture, isn't it? It's yeah. a religious gesture. In within it, there are mysteries not not totally explained. Uh, but the reading was from Luke 4, 18, 
the anointing to proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captives, the healing of the blind and of the lame, and um, freedom for the oppressed, and the jubilee of the Lord, of course. The jubilee is a, a new time. Well, that's yeah. pardon and the, the, the land, land redistributed. Anoint to do that. What a, what a wonderful day. Oh, that was the reading for the day. So the anointing is not the person who's going to do, but the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, exactly. yeah. uh, the reading today, today is this promise of the Spirit, uh, the gospel mm -hmm. for, for the 14th. It's a good transition into the gospel uh, lesson for today. So let's, yeah, let's have a look at that then, John 14, and how that relates this anointing, uh, as you say, in the, in the coronation, there's that anointing that happened, which... Oh, I wonder what was going through the king's head in that moment. But yes, we now have in this gospel passage from John 14, this kind of promise of the spirit. I wonder how those things connect together. Yes, exactly. And just, I'll say here about the gospel, just say another thing that I thought was, for me, interesting, mm. because um, they say that Elizabeth, when she was crowned, she stood big and strong, stronger than before, and tall and stronger. I don't know if that was quite with, with Charles. I think Charles, he was a bit nervous, felt he was a bit nervous, a bit unsure of himself even. Yeah. And the things weren't quite coming to him uh, naturally. And I took I took um, comfort on that, really. I thought, well, he is the right person to exercise some power. The, the kind of power and exercise of power that we want. We don't... And Elizabeth wasn't like that. But she, she wasn't like... A, she was a powerful figure, but she didn't misuse the powers. No. Uh, and it felt good that uh, the king was someone who was nervous before it all. Yeah, aware <laughs> of the weight of the responsibility. Yes, is. the weight of the leadership, isn't it? Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy, the crown heavy over two yeah. kilos. So. Yeah, actually physically heavy as well as... Really heavy, yeah. Yes, yeah. I thought the Archbishop of, of Canterbury was more kind of comfortable and more kind of um, uh, uh, happy with his own skin. How how to say the phrase? There's a phrase. Uh, yeah, comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. Yes, and I I read one commentary in a newspaper. I shouldn't say the name here, not to then you have to edit it out. So I should not say the name <laughs> of the newspaper that I read. But a critic saying that. The sermon was unintelligible. I said, gosh, five minutes sermon, unintelligible. So so clear for me that uh, what the sermon tried to say, exactly what we are talking about, what service that the service is expected. So, but that the service can only be delivered by the power of the spirit. I think that's what the, the message of uh, John 14 is it really. Yeah. Uh, it's not by our strength or by uh, we are weak and we will easily fall into our because of our insecurities to try to be more kind of dominant domineering and exercising power not in a more collaborative way is it all right if i go through the reading a bit is that all right yeah do you want to go through the reading a bit no shall i go to yeah, do you want to go to one, 1 peter is that where you want to no 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 uh john 14 if that's well, yeah no please yeah, yeah. so the the spirit of truth the spirit lives in you, Jesus says. So, in a sense, we are all anointed. We are we are anointed. The spirit lives in you, Jesus is saying. The spirit lives in you. Mm. 
you know the spirit. Oh, marvelous, huh? Marvelous. You have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. So in Charles Wesley poetry, the mind of Christ in part, the great prayer, the mind of Christ in part. So you know the spirit. The spirit lives in you and will be with you. Yeah. Because I live, you also will live, Jesus says. Um, and Jesus says, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So, uh, the Spirit, isn't it? The Spirit of God is within us. We are the temple, the temple of the Spirit, the tabernacle, uh, the living place of the Spirit. And how does that manifest itself? I think Jesus says, the person who, who obeys, and then say, the person who obeys loves. So, mm -hmm. loves me, and the Father will love that person too. And Christ will also, I will love that person too. And show, reveal, show myself to them, Jesus is saying. So, on the more, for me, on the more, um, the spirituality behind this text, the, the gospel of St. John is a very spiritual gospel, isn't it? And yes. some scholars in the past, not now, but when we thought it was a later gospel, 120, 125, and even 130 years after mm -hmm. Jesus, that was the scholarship 40, 50 years ago. That, that when the, but we, we now think a bit earlier than that. Mm -hmm. There was a point where we are a bit confused about how Gnosticism had influenced it because it's so spiritual, so the, the things of the mind, of the spirit. Yeah. But, the, the, so, but that's not the only thing that's got in the gospel. It's a very rooted as well. They, um, you, you can see in Jesus' encounter with the people in the gospel, they're totally rooted in humanity as well. It's not an ethereal gospel. It's not a gospel of, <laughs> of the other world. It's certainly not. And the, yeah. But the Spirit lives in us. If the Spirit lives in us, God lives in us, Jesus lives in us, of course, through Holy Communion, which is not in the Gospel of St. John. Yeah. What is in the Gospel of St. John is the washing of the feet. The, the night, that very that tragic night is there, that evening. Mm -hmm. But not with the institution of the of the Holy Communion, but with the washing of the feet. So you cannot cannot you cannot have koinonia fellowship more more explicit than that of washing each other's feet. Can, can we really? And um, so, but back to service, doesn't it? In what we were talking about, exactly. now, Jesus being the servant to his disciples. It, exactly. Yeah. But in Holy Communion, we eat the bread and drink the wine. Is a divination. Is to you, we are we are receiving the divine within us. Is is not Tommy now? Is within us? It's really in our hearts. It's literally in us. So yeah. I think that's what Jesus is talking here to the Spirit. That the Spirit lives in us. It's almost like us considering this word crafted. Do, do you know this word mm -hmm. for agricultural practice? Crafted is that the word? My oh. crafted. When you put up, when you get take take a plant. And you want oh. some characteristics of another plant. Yeah, grafting. Uh, yeah. Ah, no, grafting. Yes, grafting. <laughs> and you then almost you implant it yeah. within the roots of the other plant. Yeah. And what is to come is almost like a mix of both things. Yeah. yeah, has the strength in the root system of the plant it's been grafted to, but has the fruit 
of the thing that's been grafted in. Yes, yes. And uh, sometimes they are very clever, then they can mix a bit the characteristics. So some of the pitches that you can find if they are grafted, is that how you see grafted? So they yeah. have other characteristics. And I think with the, the spirit of God in us and Jesus in us, or us in Jesus grafted, I don't know which side is grafted, <laughs> but but uh, I, I, <laughs> I like the idea that um, we are rooted in Christ or, or, the, or, or the gospel is rooted in us or the spirit is rooted in us. Mm -hmm. There's an exchange there that's uh, an absolutely marvelous idea. And of course, for Methodism, the essence here is the emphasis on, on love, isn't it? What is, what, is, what is it that is poured in our, into our hearts? It's the love of God. And uh, we, can, we can expand, develop it, by a process of sanctification, of dedication to God, of um, reflection, of um, repenting and uh, take it up again, start anew. We can develop to a point, Ali, if I'm not being a heretic person here, but within uh, Methodist tradition. And I would have thought in the apost apostolic era, not many traditions are claiming it, but Methodism is claimed that we can develop that love to perfection. Mm. Very, very Wesleyan phrase, yes. Perfection. That we can love as God loves, or God loves. We can love a God as God loves. Yeah, and that's certainly what we're called to strive for, isn't it? Yes, it's a massive claim, isn't it? It's a massive <laughs> claim. In a sense, it brings us back to the unknown God. Mm. Uh, uh, resting in Jacob, isn't it? The, the, the poem that we rarely sing, we should sing, should sing more. Still in our hymn book. Uh, him uh, singing the faith, wrestling Jacob is the, the, the great question. We don't know, we don't know who you are, we don't know. Ah, uh, 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 you are love, isn't it? Uh, uh, the, the last revelation. Let me see if I can find I don't know if I'm going to find it here because it doesn't come with the first. But the, the great, the great inspiration from Charles Wesley there, and Isaac Watts said was that he would give all his hymns to have written that hymn that Charles wrote. The great question, who is this God? Who is this person with him I fight with? Is, um, is love. Uh, and that's what it is. And um, so it takes us back to the text um, in Acts that we know that God, yeah. Yeah. God that is love uh, yeah. and that invites everybody. It's not just for me or for you, for Methodism or for, uh, for Christians. And the coronation was a, a multi-faith event yeah very multi multi-faith yeah yeah and so sorry you you want to ask me or say something there tell oh, me if I spoke well we just we're coming towards towards the end of our time now and i just i wondered if there were any kind of things that you you desperately wanted to say that we've not picked up so far yeah um, sure so in the gospel i think one, one fundamental thing in this in this gospel that we read about the spirit is that not, not an ethereal spirit? The spirit of truth. The Greek is uh, pneuma tes aletheias. Uh, it's not just a sp the spirit of truth. Yeah. And you know um, how our society is so influenced by fake news, how, how it's difficult to come by truth, <laughs> the truth, uh, what, what is... Um, and it's very debatable, very um, conflictive, contradictory. Yeah. Um, 
So I think in Paul, we have an example how to bring the spirit of truth in a particular situation. Not to confront, not to denounce, not to, but to try to link, connect, bring people, bring people to a more, um, to a place of dialogue, of conversation where we can understand each other rather than to, to fight one another. So I think this, may be very political, this text, more than we have thought. That this Aletheia, Aletheias is, is more kind of political. That yes, yes, the spirit of, of Christ, but the spirit bring truth, truth about. But in a particular manner. Yeah. Not, not as a, a Bible bashing or shouting, but more of a conversational, um, convincing way of... Um, Announcing the, announcing the gospel. Yeah. So, uh, politically very relevant, I would have thought, in a, yeah. uh, in a, in a context where cultures of war uh, dominate the environment. Uh, yeah. Even in our families, not easy, is it, sometimes? Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. Uh, in Brazil, uh, we've always been more kind of uh, socially or oriented Methodists. We are <laughs> social holders. <laughs> My, suddenly, the, some some youngest in my family were supporting Bolsonaro, and, and that was tragic. Tragic. How how do you carry on talk to a nephew of yours if they are if they are supporting Bo, the no Bolsonaro, the previous president of Brazil, yeah, yeah. a man who represents so represents uh, an agenda that was totally uh, uh, unequal in relation to women immigrants, totally irresponsible in relation to COVID nineteen and also destroying the resource of the forest for to get money, the minerals in the ground. Mm-hmm. Some of our youngsters in our family supporting Bolsonaro. So it's within our families, very close to us, this culture wars, that this debate. And I think the, the readings bring to us a different way of, of presenting the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth has to be a spirit of love too. It's God yeah. of all power and truth and grace. First, first line of Charles in God of all power and truth and grace. So the truth has to be truth and grace, not separate. And of course, there's a power in it. And we believe that there's a power in the truth that we have to proclaim. But it has to be proclaimed in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's wonderful. Eh? And that seems like a, a good place to draw our conversation to a close that's a wonderful kind of final message for us so uh, Dr Reverend Dr Leonetti thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us today and we really appreciate your time to say and your wisdom it's been a really really interesting conversation so thank you and uh, thank you the pleasure and thanks to everybody else who's been joining us to watch and to listen uh, to the podcast this week thinking about how we should preach politics in the pulpit And if you've enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We have some online spaces where you can engage further with the discussion about faith and politics. You can find us on Twitter at politics, pulpit underscore politics. um, That's pulpit politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. Uh, And we also have a Facebook group which you can access through the JPUT and that's the Joint Public Issue Team's Facebook page. And of course, there's the website, jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. 
So the question that we're leaving with you uh, today from this week's readings and episode is, how do we use our power that we have to enter into dialogue with others, with love and with a spirit of truth? So let's go out into our, our pulpits this week with a blessing. Wherever we are, we are in God. Wherever we are, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Wherever we are, the spirit abides with us and in us. So we go forth in peace and hope, upheld by God in every way. May all we meet see the divine in and through us, today and every day. Amen.